Hi, I'm Jonathan Mann. I'm one of the many Matts. And this is Digitally Rare, a show about digitally owned things now and in the conceptual realm. The ocean of ideas or hey. something like that. Welcome, Cole. We are exci- extremely excited to have you on. Cole is a conceptual artist or just artist. Curious about the distinction there, of course. Working in a bunch of different mediums, but relevant to the podcast, an on-chain generative art series called Summer Haze. Well, something a bit longer. And uh, we're excited to hear about it. So welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, welcome. Before we open the podcast we were talking about artist and conceptual artist and you said you had a, a thought i'm interested in hearing yeah what where you wanted to go with that around like what is yeah what is a conceptual artist and and so on well i mean i tend to just say artist but if yeah. people want another word i say conceptual because all of my work irrespective of format is grounded in the concept mm. behind it versus the the end visual or like, or this, the middle point or the beginning point, it's all kind of, okay, here's a concept. And now I'm going to deal with that concept in different ways, totally. whether and it's the form is sort of digital or performance or, mm. or film or, or writing a legal document. Cause sometimes I <laughs> do that as an art piece. I saw I'm too that you're a that. lawyer. <laughs> like you have that background. Oh, you, no way. Yeah. I mean, I was always making art, but I didn't think anyone, would give me money for it and I wanted to eat and have a roof over my head. So I went to law school. I practiced for four years. Wow. And then the oh. art was moving enough that I I could leave that, although it definitely informs the practice. Oh, sure. I deal with a lot yeah, of that's pretty cool. legal issues. What kind of law totally. were you practicing out of curiosity? Well, my job well, I went to law school thinking I would do international law. Okay. That there's a lot, a few issues with that. I spent one summer working on it and it wasn't what I thought it would be. But then mm. my day job was I worked in entertainment law. Oh, wow. For the, for the Grammy Awards. Whoa. Cool. And helping with their educational programming and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, that was the job. But frankly, I mean, I don't think anyone from there is probably listening at the moment. Even if they are, it doesn't matter. That was almost Yeah, Which of our 300 uh, listeners are working for the Grammys? <laughs> hey, you never know. But it's true. It's true. I was working on my art in my office all the time. Like, I could do the job cool. easily. And my art requires a lot of research, so you can be on the computer often. You don't, I'm not always you know, physically making art. Totally, yeah. Yeah, I like that the form derives from the concept or whatever it is you want Mm -hmm. to express. And I think that's something I feel as well when I'm trying to create something is very, very often it's the idea first and I'm like, Oh, that's funny. And then how do I like communicate this or make someone else feel this uh, same idea? Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's something that I only recently formed a mental model on is like art as like a, a medium of vibe transmission of like how do you, how to come, convey this you know infinitely complex and infinitely detailed feeling uh to someone else which is necessarily like preconceptual or prelingual so you can't just well maybe you can be a poetry or some other medium but art and all of its mediums are in some ways about trying to package up and deliver an experience that is otherwise non-conveyable sure 
yeah. and to deal with complicated or ethereal, you know, ideas. I, mean, right, I feel like right. it's art and, and music too. And music, absolutely. You know, writing, writing yeah. and film do it too, but it's a, a little bit different. You don't have that like visceral reaction that you do from mm. music or art. I mean, music can make you cry or laugh yes. and, like, yeah. so quickly. Music is like that. Music is probably is like the fastest. I think like mm. often it's also like the most sort of accessible, right? Because it's you just you put That's it in your ears actually. and it just like it can function on you. Or like if you've ever had a seen a child hear music and just start moving their body, it's like there's something so primal and visceral about it. Totally. I mean, how long have humans had music? I mean, certainly exactly. for a damn long time. It's impossible to know, right? We know like the, there were the cave paintings where we see these things like, really? you know, tens wow. of that thousands of years ago. But how can we know what, what it, because it doesn't exist just, I mean, the prior to like 1909 or whenever, like right. there was it's literally no. Yeah. yeah. It's only cultural knowledge and it, it can't, it, it's, it's a, it's a thing that only exists in transition from one state to the next it's like this the idea of the song is a meme that only exists like within its hosts and if they don't write it down if they don't yeah trend yeah totally that's so interesting wow Wow. and you kind of need the art like if on the cave painting there's someone seeming to drum or clap or Mm -hmm. anything oh okay you know there's music at that time at least (laughs) we we had something yeah that's cool yeah I was looking, I saw that you did, I was looking at some of your work and I saw that you did this, like you sailed from Japan I like to this one a lot. Portland. Can you tell us about that one? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was a long time in the making, but eventually I managed to get myself on a, the maiden voyage of a shipping vessel from cool. near Hiroshima where they build a lot of those ships and looping around the Japanese islands to Portland. I brought a studio of materials and a team to shoot a documentary about it. And they gave me, I mean, we had our own little rooms, but they gave me a second little room to make a studio that was about, <laughs> I don't know, 10 feet by 10 feet, let's say. Nice. <laughs> Which is, when you make six feet by six feet paintings, you're like, oh. But, uh, can we, but I, just to set the scene, can we picture like, a giant like with yeah. with giant like shipping yeah. crates on it that's what we should picture is oh, like a huge... no, well, kind of a 600 foot ish 200 meter ish okay long ultra bulk cargo ship it wow. didn't have containers which i think is lucky for me because you get a little bit better view it had huge cargo mm. holds each yeah. five of them each one with its own installed crane and wow. they go five stories deep So from the bottom of the like hold and engine room to the top of the ship is 10 stories. Holy shit. Yeah. Floating city. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. 600 feet long, five stories tall. That's yeah. That's, I mean, it's hard for me to conceptualize. It's like, I don't, yeah. It's hard until you get on it or, I mean, when you get near it, you can kind of conceptualize it. Right. And then you get on, it's weird because you get on it and you're like spatially just, oriented and it's strange mm-hmm. and then you get out in the ocean and it, yeah. it reverses it seems really small uh, it's tiny yeah yeah for sure yes, right totally hundred uh, yeah, so percent that's really fun it flips back wow. but oh so i started painting i didn't want to preconceive what i was going to do but i had some mm-hmm. general ideas and i finished 
a couple paintings like I would in the studio done. Like it looked like, like a finished painting and I got brave enough to throw one in the water uh-huh. and drag uh-huh. it along the side of the ship. And that took away my brush strokes. I mean, the paint was still there, but you couldn't see the human element mm. and created this movement of the sea through the work. And me wow. and my little crew just stared at it like some miracle. And that set me on this long journey. I still make paintings that way. I also leave them in rain and wind and storms. Uh, and mm. I might bury some. Um, having different ways of the environment composing it because it's still exciting and it's not it's not totally predictable but you do see like a few common patterns like light fracturing through water or through the trees the ground sort of reptilian skin bark of a tree all those things come out in these paintings when you leave it or give the thing to the to the earth in a way that's so cool the environmental composition and like that element of chance the the obviously the temporal factor, the sort of dynamic between the human made and environment and the chaos of the environment. And then this, like, that's so cool. I love that patterns come through in this randomness. Complex yeah. Yeah. Thing that the pattern of like light refracting through water is some sort of constant. Mm. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. It was really special and interesting. And I mean, now I'm, Every time I do it, I get a little bit better because you figure out the mix of mm, watercolor versus tool. acrylic and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but there's still a good thirty percent, I would say, that I don't know. And there's a lot of fa- you know factors in it: the speed of the boat, the the water mm-hmm. temperature, the wake, how it's hitting the wake, mm-hmm. the roughness, the wind. Wow, you know they all this have feels... different effects on the canvas. Totally, this feels like. Um... We were talking with the author of Bitcoin, Sarah Mayohas, Mayohas and one yeah. of the things that we were talking about regarding different artistic mediums was the sort of degree of control you have over the output and how that affects whether you can like preconceive an idea and then make it or like some of it is left to chance, et cetera. And this feels like that 30% is interesting. Is that a 30% that you embrace or is it a 30% you're trying to narrow down or both or like that? I mean, it's yeah. sort of both. Sort yeah. Of it's, both. I mean, and I'm just making up 30%, frankly. I'm just like kind <laughs> right, of, totally. yeah, 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 some yeah, degree yeah. of unknowingness, like, totally. Real way to yeah. do it. And you I'll, can never get it to zero, of course, if you're putting a painting in the ocean or waiting on the wind to blow. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I guess I want the chance because mm. I never... I never take notes on it. I never mm. take photos of the work along the process. Cause sometimes mm. these processes repeat themselves and the layers mm. are pretty elaborate beforehand. And I never chronicle that really at all. Mm-hmm. So there must at least subconsciously, like I haven't thought about it till now, but there must be a desire to have that chance. Mm. Otherwise maybe I could decrease. Recreate it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like, yeah. Yeah. But I like that you maybe aren't approaching this like perfectly scientifically where you're like, okay, I left this in the open for 30 seconds or blah, blah, blah. But of course, in your head, you're learning this tool. You're learning the ins and outs of how this thing affects this other thing. And somewhere in in you and your creative process, you're like, okay, I know if I do this, I get something like this. And you're sort of building a model of this very complex tool that you're using. That's really cool. Oh, thanks. 
yeah, it becomes subconscious and people have tried to do it and it doesn't work. And I'm always kind of shocked. I'm like, wait, it's not like, (laughs) you know, but I, but I guess it's, there's more information than I make it seem easy, I guess, but in fact, (laughs) I mean, that's that's just how, how any skill works. You know, it's like once you've, condensed it once you've you know, grokked doing it. it you're like oh yeah. yeah you just you just draw the rest of the owl right right <laughs> um, but yeah like you don't see you can't read notes you know and not back to musicians all the time but you know they don't need to read yeah written work because mm-hmm. they didn't know how to do it it's like same kind of thing totally. what was like the so we were talking about we started the conversation with like whatever the piece is going to be you want to like design you want to like think of the best medium and so like what was the impetus that started that that one? Like, where did you start that led you to be like, oh, I know. Right. <laughs> How did you decide to I'll get go on, on a boat? boat. <laughs> I'll go on a boat and I'll throw the painting <laughs> off the boat. And then, and then the other, and then the other very technical question that I'm curious about is how this is logistical. How did you attack? Like. Was oh, it a yeah. chain? Off was of it like a, a ten-story like, boat? Like what, what? What? What was that apparatus like? Those are yeah, my two. Yeah. Good question. So, well, it was a probably about five years before I went on the ship. I started to get. I mean, I've always discussed the environment and trade and the effect of mm-hmm. movement of people and things around the world on the environment, just like the pollution or carbon or whatever it may be and then that led me to this just looking at an iphone i think it was one day and yeah that says design in california made in china comes back to california to me (laughs) and then when you throw it away or recycle it i don't think this is the case now but at the time it went back to china allegedly to be recycled but who knows a lot of that was a lie yeah which I'm not, I don't know if it's iPhone specific, but a lot of the, the stuff we sent to China wasn't actually right. recycled. So I thought, huh, that's an interesting journey. And you're crossing the Pacific, which sounds like a dream anyways. It's the longest distance you could travel without totally. seeing a human, a boat, land, having your cell phone work, having the internet. So both of those things were interesting. And as time went on, it became less focused on on like a, like trade necessarily and more just what is it like being on a floating island? The Pacific yeah. component stayed the same, like just doing that sounded intriguing and, and related to my, to my general sort of dialogue of art in terms of getting the, the painting down there. <laughs> I uh, grommeted them and then used these little carabiners and then tied the carabiner to a long rope and threw it in <laughs> and, a couple of the guys on the ship showed me a little bit better time style. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, they're like experts at not. They, so like, they yeah, literally yeah. showed you the ropes. Like, oh, Matt, come on. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. Cut it out. showed you cut some ropes. In. Okay. All right. <laughs> I just go by the if you can't tie a knot, tie a lot theory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't yeah. realize I was a subscriber to that, but absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That makes total sense. <laughs> Yeah, I still do wow. it that way. They're not stretched or anything. It would rip the stretcher bars off if if it was. Mm-hmm. Did you lose any? Did you lose any paintings in that process? I lost one yeah. on the ship due to a bad knot. And <laughs> wow. I've lost so that was in 2015. So what? We're at in year eight. I think I've lost mm-hmm. five. 
So, so I want to make a suggestion to you that you can take or leave, but I would (laughs) love to own an NFT of that, of the lost paintings. Ooh, that's fun. (laughs) Good. There's a story. I'm sure we've told it on the podcast before. It was like, actually I heard it first at a conference that Matt put on years and years ago, but it's the idea. I forget the name of the culture. Maybe you'll remember it, Matt. This culture that ha- that uses these giant stones as currency. Hmm. Does this sound familiar, Matt? Someone told yeah, us. I this think it might have been. No, totally. Yeah, it's the you use the stone as currency, and then you transact it, but the stone never moves. Yeah, the stone never moves. But but yeah. but they were they were oh, transporting right. a smaller Important one way. in a canoe, like from one right, island right, to right, another, right, right. and it fell overboard. But yes, yes, the yes, beautiful yes. thing about these stones is that they could still. Everyone knew who owned it because it was just like a social thing of like, yes, so-and-so right. owns it. And now, you know, we're going to marry off this person and throw in some cows or whatever. And now they own the thing at the right, bottom right, of the right, ocean. Right. <laughs> so it was a good, that's, that's good. Yes, totally. And so you could very much own the one at the bottom of the ocean with the yeah. theoretical backing of like, go get a scuba suit and yes. dive the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> <Right. Find laughs> <it somewhere. laughs> oh yeah. And now, well now I could probably put a little tracker on it too. Totally. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then the although, water wasn't too deep. Yeah. Oh, I love although that. I bet so the whales much. are enjoying the painting. Yeah. So I don't know yeah, if yeah, we should they're take looking it away at from it. And, yeah. 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 You guys froze. That's so funny. Yeah. That was a, that was a, a classically, I don't know, classically told story of, of froze, and, you know, denominating a value and storing a value and so on. I love that you made that connection to this lost painting. I was thinking of the lost Robbies, which is something. Oh yeah. Similar. Sort of tangential, yeah. Yeah. But similar. Yeah. I forgot the details of the lost Robbies, honestly. Oh, the lost Robbies feels- was just our friend art gnome back way back in 2018 this ai artist who at the time there was like no ar ai artist around they were giving like a talk at i want to say christie's in london or something Mm. and our friend art gnome gave out copies of this person's work as little qr codes to everybody and in the intervening years between 2018 and 2021 he became a well-known artist and suddenly these QR codes would be extremely valuable to an art collector. Oh, that's really fun. And most yeah. people threw them away. They just came on these little cards. Most people didn't bother yeah. to collect the NFT. So there was a whole thing of like, oh, did you get one? Like, can you dig it Where out of like it? somewhere? Yeah. Like, and and I think a In few were pamphlet. recovered, but like, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's really huh. quite fun. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot to play with in that idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I might have to. I have to work on that soon. I'll let you guys Since, know. If I, if oh I yeah, please. No, I'd be I'd be super interested in 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 something like that. I feel like yeah, it's like right up our Since NFT alley. Started working on this in 2015. It sounds like you. It's been sort of continuous since then. This form of artistic production. Can you talk about like how you evolved it over time? And are you still taking trips across the Pacific, for example? <laughs> Uh, no, I don't take trips across the Pacific now, but it's reasonable. I tend to, it's hard to book, it's hard to book yeah, them yeah. too. I also have little kids. They probably wonder where I was after three weeks. Now, <laughs> <laughs> so now I, 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 yes, I do still make those paintings like that. I tend to just schedule it out and use boats at different times. And mm. most paintings, it's just a few hours. I mean, it's really a few minutes to a couple days that mm-hmm. any of them have been dragged. So 
most of the time a few hours. So that's doable in a day. And then I'll bring them back and reevaluate them. And I have more flexibility actually, because they don't always work right away. So mm. then I'll go back and paint, add layers, adjust things, and then mm. do it, do that process again. And it could be six times of that over a few months. Wow. Or it could be one time. It just depends depends on how they turn out. So yeah, I keep doing that. And then that that movement I've added to other concepts. I mean, photography and film and most recently a digital works. The first yeah. my first digital piece was released with Art Blocks called The Spring Begins with the First Rainstorm. And that yeah. one uses literally the the movement from those paintings. Yeah. Um, I pulled I pulled the movement out of them without using the whole JPEG. That wouldn't work on chain anyways. So, totally. but I managed to shrink that movement down to a really tiny grayscale. I mean, you wouldn't really recognize it with the paintings, hmm. but, and then build it back up, uh, expanding it, sharpening it, dithering it, you know, using a lot of sort of Photoshop esque features in P5 to maintain that movement in a digital work. Cause I like the idea cool. that Earth has a, a real footprint in it still. Yeah. Conceptually that works better and visually too. I mean, the, that, that first drop is pretty similar to my paintings. People will see, yeah. I mean, I think it's an obvious difference cause I see them all the time, <laughs> but people will see it. Can see the, 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 yeah. Yeah. They'll be like, Hey, great new painting. Wow. That's cool. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> oh actually, okay. I mean, I guess it's kind of a painting, but I don't think they, they were thinking of it that way, like digitally totally. native, on-chain kind of right. painting. That's so interesting. And so the movement is physically derived. How is the, yeah. How does that work f- physically? Onto, like, what is the mechanism of that? How do you encode that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's, you, can, you can code any image using mm-hmm. something like Code 64. I think as we used, I think there's probably some other ver- manners of doing it too but code 64 works with p5 mm-hmm. which is the main language used in art blocks yeah, kind of generative right. yeah. pieces yeah. um i mean you can use other ones but that one tends to work the best so code 64 can can translate that into code it looks like just a random yeah. assortment of, yeah. Like, of yeah, letters yeah. Numbers. Yeah, yeah sure sure yeah <laughs> and it makes my code so long Totally. But is code, reality, is code like, 64 different than base 64? Or sorry, sorry, base 64. I don't yeah, know. Totally. Yeah, no, no, I just spoke wrong. I meant base Okay, 64. okay, okay. Yeah, no, so no worries. Yeah, yeah. As, got it. So you derive this image from the physical work. And like you were saying, you sort of compress it, grayscaleify it, sort of try and get the the operative features out of it. And yeah, then base just 64. That movement. Just, just the, the movement. movement. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And then it, you know, it becomes it's pixelated, but I, I like that right. too. Cause I wanted to reference, I mean, hum- humanity, the earth, right. The digital environment all at once. Yeah. And I use a similar technique in, in the one that's coming out mm-hmm. with our blocks next week in uh, chaos comes with the summer haze. It uses images like that too, yeah. created by the earth, but they're actually photography of mine, of the water and the sky shrunken in the same way. So wow. you see the, the outlines of clouds and waves and things like that. But it's using that same kind of, kind of mechanism. And I think, I mean, I think I have the second and probably third longest 
codes ever on our blocks. Oh yeah, <laughs> I because, that's of, that stuff. Or, because or, of the base sixty four stuff. Because of the base sixty four, because it'll be just the, let's say the new code is one megabyte. I think the actual code that does something. Well, I mean, other than creating that that texture, right, is probably twenty kilobytes of it. <laughs> so it's still a pretty weight, and that's with me. I mean, making these things tiny to begin with. Yeah, yeah, tiny, 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 right. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of become my own little method. That, I mean, I know it's not like genius coding to do that, but conceptually, I really wanted to maintain that imprint of, of the earth in that way in both projects. Yeah, I'm looking at the dithering right now, and it's really, really fun. And it looks like in Chaos Comes with the Summer Haze, you're at least in the example image here, you're doing some painterly stuff on top of this dithered cloud-esque, water-esque yeah. background. Can you talk about how you sure. sort of... And you know, also, I mean, if you want to see more test ones, you could go to the summerhaze.io while we're speaking because there's just like such a wide oh, variety cool. of them. Oh, yes, totally. Oh, I'm seeing them now. Yeah, tight. So, Very cool. So they all have the brush strokes. So uh -huh. my theory was okay, the spring is a bloom. They're similar to the paintings. They're more like inspirational moments for the environment. But we're still talking about climate change and humans destroying the earth. Well, not destroying the earth, destroying themselves, really, and the earth will rejuvenate itself. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to bring the human back into it. And I thought, well, how do I show panic here? And I thought of my own paintings. I've made paintings with those kind of panicky gestures but using floral colors and i thought that was interesting and i thought of rauschenberg robert rauschenberg did this piece called erase de kooning and he went to willem de kooning oh, yeah. and asked for a drawing told him his he wanted to erase it and de kooning said okay <laughs> and he erased it and it yeah. that's it's a very like important conceptual piece mm -hmm. of art that's now in sf moma mm -hmm. so totally. i kind of thought of okay well, well we're kind of erasing mm -hmm ourselves or the environment as we see it so let me do that with brush strokes yeah these these look like erasing marks like i can see i could sort of see that yeah that's sort of like and then i thought well we're also talking about human panic and chaos so different people would do different things like some people would be sort of haphazard and mm. and violent in their movement and then other people would be more like when a a pen doesn't have any ink and you're uh -huh. trying to get it going again and you start swirling around. Yeah. 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 Right. You know, and other people would do nothing but maybe drink a lot of coffee. So there's some that look like a volume of coffee stains, but they're all doing the same thing, picking up the colors and right. of the, of the layers and, and it all kind it starts with the spring project as a base, yeah. but then, you know, there's a lot of changes, a lot of, I mean, the coloration, the, the portals, Mm. The portal starts spinning a little bit just to give that feeling like, oh no, it's 120 degrees in August. I've never felt that before. You know, what's happening? Right. In the uh, chaos comes with the summer haze, is the, are the pieces from the spring begins with the first rainstorm like explicitly used as background or is it the same technique used as uh, a canvas? Uh, it's, it's just a technique. So of yeah. uh, of the, I mean, the majority of components, but not not all of them. And then, mm -hmm. so I wanted that same wow. style of building up grayscales with the environment. I wanted a really wide palette, but mm -hmm. I ended up 
taking the, I think, 311 colors from the first one, which I manually, you know, worked on like one by one, and I made them all hazier and some more summery mm. or hotter. Like when the, you know, when it's so hot that it seems like the air is sort of bumpy and, and I don't know, like moving. I wanted to do all that. So I, I initially just changed every single color to a hazier color, mm-hmm. but then that was a little too hazy. So I, <laughs> I would get some that were at a full white out. And, and so I, I dialed or like almost a white out, like an, a weird Easter expression or something. And so I dialed it back a little bit. And then this one, I, there's about 35 specific palettes. Whereas in the last one, it was just random or monochromatic. Yeah. The rainbow of monochromatic, but still, you know, monochromatic. So this one, I thought, totally. well, let me get it more specific. So 50% of it is random and 50% of it are specified palettes. Mm-hmm. Wow. The colors I really like love. And this is one of the big reasons I love making digital work because you have so much flexibility in coloration totally. and you can paint, paint a work one color and then switch to another color. <laughs> yeah. You know, so much, that goes. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. I mean, yeah. you can't. I'd have to, it would take hours and hours and hours to do that on a physical painting. So yeah. really, I'm, I think they're more colorful than my regular paintings because the world, you know, the millions or a million, I guess, options that are out there. Totally. Wow. What is the significance of 163? The number mm-hmm. of, of Good question. It's 163, but um, it's a lucky prime. And so is 487, which is That's the okay, other yeah. one. So, I just figured well, we need all all the luck we can get in this discussion. <laughs> uh, so, what so is I a like lucky prime? Use, I don't know that. A lucky prime is one that's not divisible by anything. And also, oh shoot, there's a couple components to it. Oh, and there's a really tricky way where you can we can look it up where you can figure them all out really easily. Oh, cool. Math is crazy. my friend Tommy. It's like a rhyme. There's a rhyme that you can do. I wish oh, it was here to do the yeah. rhyme. So it's oh, it's like a whole process. It's a whole thing. Yeah, it's a whole the, wow. it's a set okay. that can Three, be generated seven, 13, by a certain 31. sieve. The sieve yes. is similar to the sieve of Eratosthenes that generates primes, but eliminates <laughs> numbers based on their position in the remaining set instead of their value. Wow. Okay, so this is like a really intense thing. But then, yeah, yeah, totally yeah cool. that's fascinating. Great. This is really. It's not really. I mean it's not really important to me other than the luckiness right? and totally. the sort of, I mean, there's a little bit of snarkiness of my own of people just tend to pick, Oh, it's an addition of a hundred or a thousand. I mean, this is a topic we talk about a lot on the podcast is like, is how do you choose the number right. of something when it's digital and it could be whatever you want? Like, so this right. is a topic that is, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And so I kind of like to, take the piss out of that a little bit. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They seem like totally strange and they are totally strange numbers. Yeah. But for chaos, in my idea, the only re- way, unfortunately, that we're likely to change this as a society yeah. is if, well, and if we experience loss. Oh yeah. So it wouldn't make sense that it was growing. It would only make sense if it was going down uh-huh. at least mm. for this series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, that was pointing that direction. And then, I mean, for these ones, art blocks also advises, you know, they're pretty cool about it, but they give you an idea of what they think. 
think it should be. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's pretty I mean, cool. They have yeah. all the data, so I totally <laughs> probably know what they're doing. When was your first mint? When was when did that happen? Yeah. It was uh gosh, I wanna say like I mean it was the beginning of June. Okay. Yeah, the beginning of June. Of last yeah. year. It was one of the worst ether days of all time. Oh yeah. <laughs> It was <laughs> that I, I wondered why I remember those days. Well, yeah. Yeah. The Genesis <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sold out fairly quickly, but yeah, not, come at, with, not at the level of, of the other rug. things, you know, a little bit earlier in the, in the year. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 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 I want the rock. Wait, tell me about this rock. What? Uh, so, so oh, I'm glad you checked. Oh, this is so, such okay. a cool package. The Genesis edition. How did I not know okay. about this? Yeah, this is a whole, Thing. I mean, I love it. It's also very difficult, but yeah, it seems in both, in both of these editions. If you're one of in that one, if you're one of the first forty-eight, and the next one next week, if you're in the first thirty-six, I'll be there. You get this unique edition as a gift, and it's your your mint mounted on a piece of maple. Wow! Book that I make that visually describes the story of creating the project. And they're, they're hardcover, like nicely made and published books. And then a sculptural element, which in the fur in the Springs, it was serpentine rock that I collected in near my, my home in central California and, and a little piece of maple that it sits on the wow. second one. Most of those elements are the same, but the rock is now wrapped in porcelain. Ooh. So I thought of humans just kind of throwing a blanket on on something. Like yeah, a pro- environmental problem is papering over it. it. Yeah, yeah, a, a, a very like, delicate blanket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. It's funny. I was like, it won't really work. You know, it's, yeah, it's porcelain. <laughs> a very brittle blanket to cut paper yeah. over. Yeah, they're scary wow. to make because of that too. But oh, and also the wild thing. I was going to use a different kind of rock just to move on from that. But when I put a serpentine rock in the kiln, it turns from green to orange. So that wow. was, that's hazy. You know, it's perfect. Yeah. It's it's, hazy. Yeah. yeah. It worked well. Yeah. So, so it'll be a serpentine rock still, wow. but it'll, it'll be orange from being cooked in the kiln. Yeah. And then, yeah. So people, and it was funny cause no one, I don't think, I mean, a couple people knew that I, it said that in the art blocks description for the first drop, but You'd have to go to my website and look at the picture, and I'm a little too wordy in my descriptions, so I don't think people really realized. Yeah. Because then suddenly, when they did realize, everyone was pretty excited that you got this whole thing, and I hand screen the crate and build the crate myself and ship it. And that's for 48 people potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now for 36 for the next one. That's really cool. It says on here the first owner of the work to claim. Oh, oh, I see. I see. I see. I see. So, so there's still some available then for the first one because yeah, there's still a so and it it lists all the claim ones. So, I mean, a lot of the people that ended up claiming were secondary buyers. Interesting. Yeah, Um, I mean, I'm I will be looking at secondary after this. (laughs) Yeah, you have to find one. Please do, because I want to get the rest of them out of here. I mean, yeah, oh, totally. yeah, oh yeah. well, here's a good point. Did you set an end date for claiming? Because uh, that's something, this is the Unisox story, right? Is like, if you don't have an end date to this claim period, eventually you're going to be holding on to like non-trivially valuable 
items for the end of time until the end of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't set one, but yeah, I don't. I mean, it could they could frankly sit here for ten years and it would totally. really affect me. So yeah, that's true. You have a nice there. stable studio. Yeah, with Unisox, they had to get like a they have like a you know one of those secure storage facilities to keep all the socks <laughs> in. That's so <laughs> funny because someone could come yeah. by and steal all the socks. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, yeah. there's a picture of them moving them, and it's like stacks of socks, and at the time they were 100k each. It's like right. this is this is millions of yeah. dollars in sock. <laughs> it's it's bonkers. Welcome that's to wild. crypto. Welcome to crypto. welcome to crypto. But yeah. yeah, so that's something I've learned. I think with like Aleatoric as well is like I don't have a I don't have an end date on it, and I'm kind of like part of me is like, oh, am I really going to do this until I die? Or like, how do I find a natural stopping point for a continuous work? I guess, Jonathan, you don't have to think about that because you've sort of defined your work as I've, your I've, life. I'm and committed. So, yeah, yeah, I'm committed to, to writing really a song nice. a day until I keel over. Yeah. Oh, wow. And <laughs> forever <laughs> after, if technology continues. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And then if I can train an AI to make a song a day like me, then it'll go on after I'm gone. Yeah. It's actually it's, looking so much more reasonable that you can do is. that. I think we were talking about this in like 2018 and 2019 we before we the were. AI but and um I was like, "Oh man, this seems really hard." Yeah. Like yeah. and then within 3 years it's like, "Oh yeah, that oh, totally yeah. old." No, yeah, I think sure. I think it's it's still a hard problem like music AI is still not there, but like yeah. There's there's a lot of people working on it. Yeah. I guess that, that that's like an interesting segue how are you feeling about, you know, this is like a, a hot topic in the world right now. How are you feeling about AI and, and what it's, hmm. what it is? Yeah. What, it, what, what it's becoming, what it's became, what it might be. Yeah. Will it monopolize all the GPUs and contribute to environmental decline? Like, uh-huh. I don't Maybe, know. Maybe. Unless out there. if the dominant <laughs> AI is like pre pre-programmed to not just do things that are bad for the environment. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and they might kill all of us too, though. I mean, so. that's the other that's thing. True. That's yeah, the that's other the, thing. Yeah. 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 That's the uh, reason to kill us. <laughs> right. Right, totally. right. If your right, optimization right. function is make the earth good, does that include the humans? Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's Probably not, actually. Yeah. I mean, realistically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really. I mean, I guess, I mean, I don't know. That's not even really a fear, but it's like, oh, that's probably what would happen. For me, personally, I find it exciting and not i don't know not a threat to what i'm doing but more right. something interesting i could work with for instance artblocks engine flex you know you can use outside assets and then so theoretically i could make a generative work that also uses ai which i i think would be pretty cool because then i could mm-hmm. you know i could make the ai create let's say water i mean this is not it but like water lilies like monet water lily style mm-hmm. paintings and then that could just be one layer of what i'm what i'm doing or i can totally. make it probably say make my paintings although yeah. i tried with one small ai company reached out to build my own custom version of their product and it didn't work first i gave the program like a bunch of images of things i'd made and it made a shitty version of, of yeah. them, kind yeah. of. Totally. Yeah. But then I was like, wait, that's not how I learned how to make these. I learned mm-hmm. how to make these by my studying and uh-huh. practice and education. So I'm going to give it 100 books 
that influenced me <laughs> and a hundred paint, you know, painters yeah. and different conceptual artists yeah. and coders yeah. and all, yeah. like all these different things. Right. I'm going to give it Your as many influences. things as I can think of that influenced yeah. me. And that didn't work at all. No, <laughs> it wasn't enough. No, so. no. It's interesting. No. I've, I've been having the same experience. I've been like working on training my own things and it's like really hard to do. And so, mm-hmm. and so it actually, when you do see something that someone's made, that is cool and has seems to have like intention behind it and all that kind of thing. I sort of uh, have a real reverence for that in the same way that I would with any artist's practice. I'm, I'm finding, finding like trying to do it myself. I'm finding this of like, Oh, it's really not that easy. People think, Oh, blah, blah, blah. I'll just type something in and get something amazing. Like that's not really how Mm. it's happening. If I see something that someone's made that I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. And then I talk to them. I'm like, oh, how did you do this? Well, it's a very like it's an extremely intensive, involved process, like and tons of trial oh, yeah. and error and like not understanding what's happening and needing to like figure. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm with you. It's definitely I mean, maybe it'll get to an easier place to make something that is reasonably good. Mm-hmm. But the thing people value about yeah. art, I think, is is the independent thought and the non-derivative nature yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, granted, yeah. digital art isn't totally there yet. There's a lot of derivative stuff. Sure. Mm-hmm. And no one seems to care that much. <laughs> I mean, maybe some people care, but, you know, you see a couple projects by different artists. They're both nice, but they're kind of the same thing, and mm-hmm. they kind of both sell a lot. But in general, like, you know, it's the unique idea. So then yeah. if you're trying to program AI to make a unique idea, it's hard. That's mm-hmm. really hard. It's hard. Yeah. It's genuinely I mean, it's, yeah. it's only going to take ideas that are already made. So Yeah. Definitionally, anything that a AI seems to create that is unique is sort of a it's based on these previous examples. So it's sort of like the randomness having an emergent like, oh, like papa. Like, oh, I didn't I personally didn't think of that, but it was there in the training set the whole time, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And I think there's part of the human experience that is like, obviously, definitionally social as social creatures. And I think part of the appreciation of things like art involve like the fact that it was created by another human. And you see this in people saying like, oh, once I realized this, this was made by an AI, suddenly my like internal appreciation metric plummets, right? It's like, there's something about Mm -hmm the human to human connection there that I don't, I don't think will go away. And I think that that's, I think that's a, one of those fundamental things. It's like, because appreciation or care or meaningness in this object is a subjective experience um, delivered by a human. And so it is, you can't separate our experience from the creative process. Oh, totally. And from a collector standpoint, it's sort of the same, like, yeah. okay, you could, you can buy one of my digital artworks or you can copy a JPEG off of yeah. a website, right. and that's yeah. not the same thing. Totally, and, or ownership is a unique have someone experience else of art. One of my paintings, you know, totally, like, totally, it's not the same. Like it has to be from the the maker. So I think that's on the same level. You know, that kind of connection to the actual maker of something. Totally. Yeah, I'm hoping that like the goal with 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 this song a day AI thing, right, is like to circumvent that by being like, well, like what I'm doing is I'm f- literally training this AI on 5,000 plus of, of my songs that have happened over the last 5,000 days or whatever. And ideally once it out starts outputting something that is like even vaguely listenable, 
<laughs> the connection is still there because it's like it's specifically mm. it's specifically me that is in that is in this. There's, I'm trying to imbue you know whatever song a dayness I have like into the totally. machine. Totally, that's the goal. <laughs> yeah. Like the song a day, I do some daily. I've done a couple projects that are daily practices and. It's really fulfilling to force yourself to do that. Like, yeah. yeah. Even a lazy day, you still accomplish something. Even Precisely. If it's, you know, bad. At the, at, exactly. Like at the very least, at the very least, at the end of every day, I'm like, well, at least I wrote a song. Like even if I do nothing else, you know, which are, and, and, and then like you said, like even if it's like the worst song ever, it's like, well, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel the same way. I've, I've done a bunch of things like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's good. That's awesome. I saw another project that you did about California, about like creating a utopia. Was that sort of yeah, what it was? Sort of. I mean, I don't like utopia because it sounds not accomplishable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But and also, and like literally not like the like definitionally, yeah, definitionally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, it's like point. whenever human, I think it's us for a while. They said whenever, humans thought they found utopia they turned and looked at the horizon to search for utopia yeah <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah yeah totally like so yeah it's a it's an ongoing large conceptual piece of mine and it's not really about people think understandably that it's about like a california secession but it's not it's oh, sure i use california as a canvas because i needed i needed the structure to start with hmm. and i wanted to show that grand change is possible, that if I can do all this work, then imagine what we could all do together. And all this work is, I wrote a new constitution, I made a new budget with California's actual numbers and the actual money that Californians pay to the federal government of the US. I made like fake NATO documents. And oh wow, UN this documents. is comprehensive. Oh, it's on and on. And there's a whole Agitprop clothing line, uh, the second <laughs> oh. series of it. Is a uh, drop. Everything's on sale in there right now because the second season, the first couple pieces dropped at Freeze last week in LA. The next mm. couple drop at a museum in Santa Barbara, uh, March twelfth, and then the whole line goes online March twelfth as well. And I hand screen those. I hand stitch the labels in. Uh, it's a, it's another torturous thing that I decided to do. <laughs> but the whole thing started with a museum exhibition where. I'd had this idea for a long time and a curator I knew came and said, you know, look, we're in this weird time in the world where governments are, are in doubt and dictators and wannabe dictators are ruling important countries. Maybe you should readdress this. So that's, that's kind of how it started. And now there's been billboards, the constitution on sunset Boulevard and extensions of it and different with different nonprofits in different places it just kind of keeps going. I I have very nice official letterhead that I'll sometimes mail people letters and <laughs> harass them about issues. Uh, the, the Constitution's published in pocket form, so I can wave it around. Pull it out, I yeah. A TED, ah, yeah. yeah. I did a, a TED talk this about is it. so dope. Wow. It's just, I mean, I love it, but it's also like, it's just like Sisyphus and pushing the the oh, ball yeah. of the hill. Yeah. Totally, of, totally, yeah. totally. The most American so I dreams. Now. I mean, I I'll I'll work on digital work for 
like almost all the time for six months and then I'll have three months of painting and then I'll have three months of free Republic. And then, and then some, they interweave all the time too, but I just kind of go down whatever path seems like the right path in the moment. And that's why I started making digital art. Cause I'd like the generative idea and, and how challenging that is. That's what made me finally like get into it. Cause it's another mind fuck, like trying to watch, trying to write a new constitution. Yeah. You're like, recreating things that you you don't really know at least i didn't know how to recreate so i like yeah, how probably a, you though like your lawyer your lawyerness probably came into like into play at least a little bit here somehow yeah yeah i mean that definitely helped with the constitution <laughs> it made it take a lot longer too because mm, you, you I, know at yeah. first i had to cut any quarters yeah i wanted to just make a at first it was i was going to use the finished constitution which is not a rewrite that was I think 1999 and then 15 oh, years later, a... the EU reviewed it, wow. the Finnish constitution. So oh, wow. it, it has like the digital world in it to some degree. And oh, it's just modern and they're functional as a democracy. So I was going to just replace Finland with the free Republic of California as a symbol that, you know, and, and move incredible. On. <laughs> but then the lawyer part of me was like, no, 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 no I'm going to yeah. write it. <laughs> everything like how a government would transition how we would deal with current assemblymen, assembly people and senators and how we would restructure that because California doesn't make sense. And actually a lot of the states don't make sense. So, well, not to go too deep into it, but basically the Supreme Court said it wasn't right to have basically representatives and senators that weren't population tied. So a lot of places just had lines for senators and then re representatives were population tied, like the U.S. as a whole. Mm -hmm. And the Supreme Court said that's not fair. That's not one vote is equal to one vote. But we're exempting the federal government. Right. That's so, so funny. Wow. So my vote is worth, so 70 yeah. Californians yeah. are worth one person in Wyoming. Right. 70. Like, yeah, no, it's, it's not nuts. even like yeah. one and a half, you know? Like, so... Well. So that's something. Oh, so then my that was the lawyer part being like, oh, I'll, I'm gonna fix all this stuff. Yeah. If you, I mean, it's more fun. To, there's a PDF that's footnoted, and I made the footnotes in green and bigger because it's more fun to read those. Like you can understand, oh, this warrant clause would prevent cops from busting in and shooting people, or the Senate thing. You know, we'd actually have equal equal rights in voting, and it explains all the clauses pretty in like a more fun way than just yeah. straight legal language. This is a document. I'm looking at it online. It, it scrolls. This is amazing. <laughs> it it's scrolls. Not, yeah. I mean, it's Whoa. probably, I think it's like 38 pages oh and then yeah. it's in Spanish too. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Because the operative languages are English and Spanish. It says yeah. so right here in the constitution. <laughs> that is <laughs> awesome. Official languages, just operative. Operative. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right, right. Operative for the operating. There, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Is there a, is there a, this a legal distinction there? Uh, yeah, official is you're treating those as higher than other ones. Mm, I mean, I see. it's not even legal. Well, it is legal, I guess. Well, it's it's well. like semantic. I, yeah, yeah. It was more totally. the principle of it. Like, and later in it, it says, "Well, and California does this already, actually, but uses the government's best efforts to communicate with anyone." Mm -hmm. And if you go to vote here, I think there's ten or twelve languages that they have the ballots in. Wow, so, that's pretty cool. Whereas other states. It's barely one. So, <laughs> so, yeah, oh, I notice the Constitution goes into effect on 
October 20th, year one. Did you, did you reset the calendar? <laughs> yeah, it'll just be year one forever, probably. That's but, awesome. And it's not meant to be secession anyways. Like, everyone could, America could use this constitution. Totally. But, I mean, any, literally anyone could. Mm-hmm. But the date is specific to just a funny date there. Right. When Mexico was a controlling government of California, a Commodore in the American Navy thought the news was we're at war with Mexico to take over California, pulled into Monterey, which was the capital then, you know, stormed over to where the flagpole was flying a Mexican flag and took it down and put the U S one up. Then he got the news the next day that that wasn't the case. <laughs> and he went and apologized and took the flag down and left. <laughs> so, that was the day. So, so the day the flag, you know, he apologized yeah. and left is, is the day. Cause I just thought that was, funny and apropos That's hilarious yeah <laughs> wow wow it was, this a, is a, really, it was a three-year project yeah to get that incredible i'm looking at the budget how did you how did you conceive of this budget like how did you well yeah let me I don't just think read I some ever... of these line items like government operations one million seven hundred and sixty nine thousand seven hundred and thirty three Higher education, eighteen million six hundred fifty six thousand nine hundred twenty five. <laughs> well, peace and defense, twenty one million seven hundred fifty thousand three hundred thirty two. <laughs> well, and that's in the thousands too, so you have to add three zeros. But um, <laughs> oh, oh, they, oh, all of these have three more zeros after them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. whoa. So it's way wow. more money, but that's how much money I, California has. The it's a fourth big biggest. We went up to fourth. We're now the fourth biggest economy in the world. Jeez. Holy shit. What? We make one third of America's agriculture. We have the only exports that people still like, which is tech and Hollywood, right. basically. Right, wow. right, right. So, but yeah, so there, the budget is huge. And California wow. tends, in recent years, has a surplus because we work more effectively than some of the other governments, I guess. But how I did it was I took the 2019 California budget. I tried to make that PDF look like that kind mm-hmm. of, it's not the graphic design I would normally use, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, it's you, better than the California one, yeah. <laughs> but not as nice as I would normally use. And then, and then I took the, you, the budget of the U S and you can figure out which portion of that is California's. Wow. And you, you realize California gives a ridiculous amount to the government for the military. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, what they disclosed for that year, I think was $800 billion nationally. Wow. So California share of that, I think it's like around a hundred billion Jesus. of it, like one eighth yeah. of it. Yeah. Really? If, wow. If you took 10% of that, yeah. you could pay for higher education for everyone. Yeah. Public, private, yeah. community college, yeah. four year, everything. master's degrees, yeah. everything. You took twenty percent oh. of that. You pay for healthcare for everyone, and that ends up kicking back into the economy. Actually, yeah. so it's so it turns so out to be cool. I mean, all of it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of it does. But there's a there's well, a there, there's a maybe there's a math. There's an actual math math yeah, equation yeah. in there for the healthcare part. But well. and I'm not we're not we don't even have to shrink. So even if you took those two things out of the budget, mm-hmm. the California alone would still have the fifty. 15th biggest military in the world that's like how <laughs> big the scale of yeah. the u.s and by the way let's not even get started on like they audit the pentagon and there's like trillions of dollars unaccounted yeah. for 
yeah. you know, just like yeah. trillions of dollars that they're like, Wah! but no one cares. <laughs> yeah. So we'll just keep doing it. Yeah. We just print them over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're not missing. They're just in the backlog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there's like military, con- you know, contractors and 767s of their own and stuff. Right. So, wow. but wow. Yeah, that's a whole. That's a pretty good <laughs> argument for California secession. I'm just. I mean, saying. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. It's like I, I that's understand a, that's it's quite not... the bargaining chip. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny that this. I mean, not funny, really. Like darkly funny. <laughs> right. Some, some states' representatives, granted, they don't even speak for their own state, just their little district, but you know, are talking about it's red states separating from blue states, hmm. and I just. I just find it so sad and laughable that they would even con- con- I mean, I know why they propose yeah. that they get donations because of that. Totally. But in actuality, that would be a very, very big problem. It would be disastrous. I mean, California, Illinois, and New York being gone then and New England and Massachusetts, you lose all the donor states. Wow. Which Mitch McConnell's state. Oh my gosh. Which, which state? Uh, South Carolina, Georgia. Well, we're, I'm spacing out right now, but his state gets $3 of benefit for every dollar they pay in taxes, huh. whereas California gets about 75 cents for every dollar it pays. Huh. So. Wow. Well, that's not, to, not to name any names. <coughs> cough, cough, Marjorie Taylor Greene. <coughs> cough, cough. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But, wow. you know, I try not to get in the weeds of that. No, it's really no, about no. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. totally. a bigger idea. Like if one 100%. person can sit at home and write a constitution and a budget like, can't we do that as a group yeah I mean, totally i don't we don't have to use mine it's just that's true i like that optimism yeah. it's like hey this is actually possible yeah that's yeah people don't believe we can amend our constitution even but totally yeah it was meant to be amended it would be really bad if it wasn't amended <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true it's so easy to to especially these days to feel like nothing can be done when, yeah, I guess the Ursula K. Le Guin quote about all man-made systems can also be dismantled oh, or changed by man. I yeah, love obviously that I just butchered it. But if you're curious about it, please look up the original the, the, words. The quote is, well, here, let's, let's quote it. Uh, yeah, the quote is about like the divine right of kings. That capitalism may seem insurmountable and irreplaceable, but so did the divine right of kings one to- at one right, time. Totally. And it's just this idea that like, yeah, that exactly what you're doing, Cole, which the idea being like everything is man-made. Everything about our society is is made by humans and can be unmade just as easily. And the fact that people can't imagine anything different is is nothing but just like a sheer lack of imagination, just a, a sheer lack of willingness to to be like, oh, well, what if? It's remarkable in that way. I think he captured it. As we come to a close here, I want to ask, we we don't always ask this question, but I'm curious if there are any NFT projects that you've seen that have, you know, caught your fancy, made 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 your brain go, woo. Yeah. Made you interested (laughs) recently, anytime NFT projects or not, you know, we always put people on the spot, but Yeah. Hmm, that's a good God, it's such a big question. I know. I know. Okay, no, there aren't. The answer is also a very reasonable take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
Hmm. It's really tough. Like when you were well, working. Hmm. I mean, this one just popped into my head. I don't think it's higher than any other sure, one. Totally. But I like what John Gerard did with the oil spills on the water, which is an art blocks pace drop. Cool. And they're supposed to reference the countries that have had oil spills, which is mm. the vast majority of countries. Right. And they're, they're vaguely in the shape of the countries, mm. but the way he used, like you can see it, like, you know, how oil glistens on water yes. in that strange rainbow way. Yeah. It, it just did that so well that, I mean, it's beyond my comprehension in terms of coding to make it that perfect. That's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. That's cool. I thought that was, that was pretty good. Jeez. I don't know. I almost want to like look at my wallet and see. Oh yeah. Yeah. Check out your wallet and see like what, like wonder what (laughs) I can't. I mean, I mainly just buy things of my friends at this point. I mean, one of the nice things about this community in general is you like the the artists are really sharing in their communication and what they're doing and helpful with each other, which is a little bit different than the, Mm. than the like world in general. I mean, well, Tara Donovan's one is pretty interesting, which is a pace one too. I don't only talk about them, but <laughs> it's, it's not as visually compelling, but it's just a duplication of a symbol again and again and again. And the, mm-hmm. how that creates different patterning is kind of, kind of interesting. Donovan. Today I acquired a beautiful Alicia He from Vertical Crypto that you can, I mean, they look like great painting kind of drawing things and, She's so nice, and it's 100% for charity. Oh, cool. Martin Grasser tracked, these, tracked the tennis balls at a tennis tournament. and Because the tennis tournaments now you know, use this Hawkeye thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. They have uh-huh. like every, all the data. Yeah. 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 So they can, I mean, I know they came to Artbox and asked, and he's the artist that did it. And, but he did it in a really beautiful sort of block way. And then, you know, be, I mean, I'm making this up, but like Sabalinka's winning serve. And the ball's sort of at an angle, and the shadow, and the lines, and that that's I think that's cool. it's called love. The project's called love. Oh, I think nice. I heard about this. Oh, yeah, I saw this one. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, pretty. That one's pretty interesting. Yeah, but I mean, there's sort of there's so many. infinite possibilities. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, these are really really pretty. Yeah. Wow. I remember seeing very that one. cool. Thank you. Yeah. Cole, thank you so much for joining us. This was this was a real pleasure. Oh, no, thanks for having but, me. That was great. We could talk about government <laughs> and digital art and sea journeys for hours. I bet. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like it's funny. Like I think, aside from sea journeys, we've talked about all of these subjects before on this show. It's a very good mix of the kind of shit mm-hmm. that we're into. So that's great. Yeah. Oh, nice. Thanks so much. We really appreciate it. Oh no, thanks for having me, guys. Oh yeah.